This podcast is brought to you by the Reform Witness Committee of Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. It is our goal to spread our distinct Protestant Reformed views based on the Word of God and the Reformed Confessions. We hope that this message is edifying to you. Hello, I'm Pastor Matt DeBoer of Edgerton Protestant Reformed Church. In this series of podcasts, I'm addressing a huge issue in the church today, homosexuality. In answering the question, what does the Bible teach about homosexuality? In the first podcast, I spoke about the truth regarding marriage and sex. Now in this podcast, I address the Bible's condemnation of homosexuality. Now remember, homosexuality is the sexual desire for a person of the same gender and the carrying out of that desire in a sexual relationship. Several passages of God's Word explicitly teach that homosexuality is sin. First, we'll go through several passages. First, Genesis 1 and 2, as well as Mark 10, imply that same-sex unions are sinful. These passages indicate that God instituted marriage as a bond between one man and one woman. Same-sex unions go against God's design. Genesis 1 and 2 also teach that God has determined sex to be good only within the marriage bond between the man and the woman. Genesis 1 verse 28 shows that one of the purposes of God in instituting marriage is that this is the kind of union that will produce children. God says be fruitful and multiply. Homosexual unions cannot do that. And those unions then clearly go against God's design for marriage. Genesis 2 verse 24 teaches that God designed the husband and the wife in such a way that they might be one flesh. That phrase, one flesh, points to sexual intimacy. The act of sexual intercourse brings a man and woman together as one relationally and organically. The sameness of the parts in same-sex activity doesn't allow for the two to become one in the same way. At creation, God fitted the husband and wife for one another. Same-sex unions go against God's design for marriage. The second passage that shows homosexuality as sin is Genesis 19. Genesis 19, in reference to Sodom and Gomorrah, teaches that homosexuality is sin. Genesis 19 indicates that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah had homosexual desires and engaged in homosexual activity. We read in Genesis 19 of two strangers meeting Lot at the gate of Sodom. Lot convinced the men, who were actually angels, to stay with him at his house. And after a meal, the men of Sodom surrounded Lot's house and demanded to have sex with the two travelers. Lot refused. The mob threatened to break down the door, but the two guests struck the men of Sodom blind so that they did not get to follow through with their desire. Genesis 19 verse 15 tells us that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed for their iniquity and calls it iniquity. 
homosexuality was not the only sin that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed for. Ezekiel 16, 49 through 50, speaks of many sins in which those people were walking. Verse 50 of Ezekiel 16 points to homosexuality, though, as one of the sins for which they were destroyed. We read there, They were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore I took them away as I saw good. The word abomination in Ezekiel 16 verse 50 is the same word used in Leviticus 18 verse 22 and Leviticus 20 verse 13 where a man lying with another man is called an abomination. Jude 7 also shows that homosexuality is one of the prominent sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. So Sodom was destroyed in part for homosexuality. That shows it is indeed sin. The third passage we look at or consider is Leviticus 18 and 20. Leviticus 18 and 20 teach that homosexuality is sin. In Leviticus, God gives laws to the Israelites that show them how they are to live a holy life. Chapter 18 is about holiness as it relates to sexual activity. The chapter teaches that incest, adultery, bestiality, and homosexuality are all, all, all wrong. In Leviticus 18, verse 22, God says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. In Leviticus 20, verse 13, God says, If a man also lie with mankind... As he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That phrase, as with a woman, is significant in Leviticus 20, verse 13. That phrase, as with a woman, points us to Genesis 2 and how God designed the woman to be his helper and unique complement. Some argue that these passages are in the Old Testament. We say Leviticus 18 and 20, that's Old Testament, and thus those passages are not applicable to us today. But that's wrong. One way we know that certain Old Testament laws are meant for all time is if they are carried over into the New Testament. And the New Testament does prohibit homosexuality. Thus it must be that prohibitions against this sin in Leviticus are still in force today. Also, the very fact that this was condemned in the Old Testament shows that homosexuality is not a creational norm. If homosexuality is part of God's good creation, God would not ever, even briefly, condemn it as sin. Fourth, this is the fourth passage that we look at which condemns homosexuality. Romans 1, verses 18 through 32, shows that homosexuality is sin. Here, in this, in Romans 1, 18 through 32, the apostle speaks of the great sins which were committed by Gentiles of his day, 
and he includes homosexuality. We will, we will go carefully through this passage, starting with verses 18 through 20. First verse 18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. These ungodly and unrighteous men upon whom God's wrath comes are not ignorant of who God is, but they are those who, quote, hold the truth in unrighteousness, end quote. Romans 1 verse 18. They hold the truth down. Verses 19 through 20 then teach that God shows them his power and glory in the creation, but they refuse to worship him. Verse 19 says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So since God has shown these men who he is, and that he is to be served and worship, worshipped, these men are without excuse. These sinners are without excuse. Verses 21 then through 23. Verses 21 through 23 say, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. These verses teach that these unrighteous men who are suppressing the truth, remember verse 18, they're suppressing the truth, those men worship creatures rather than God. Understand that all men are idolaters by nature, worshiping themselves or things, and refusing to submit to God. Verses 24 and 25 then speak of God punishing idolaters by giving them over to more sin. Verses 24 and 25 say, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Verses 24 and 25 teach that God gives idolaters over to uncleanness or sexual immorality. That's what uncleanness is, sexual immorality. In verses 26 and 27, we read about God giving men up specifically to homosexuality as punishment for idolatry. Verses 26 and 27 say, For this cause, that is for the cause of idolatry, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in, them, in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Notice that in 
verses 26 and 27, the inspired apostle Paul does not say that homosexual behavior is against the customs of the day and and social norms, but says it's against nature. That means it's against God's created order and designs. Thus, those who do it are suppressing the truth. Recall verse 18. Those who live in this way, this homosexual behavior, they are turning from God's order for things and doing as they please. Really worshiping themselves then. Notice that verses 26 and 27 condemn the practice of homosexuality and the desires for it. It condemns men burning in their lust for other men. It's important to take note of that. It's important to take note of that because some today say that Scripture condemns homosexual practice and not desire for someone of the same sex. They say Scripture doesn't condemn the desire. But that's not true. The Bible here and throughout condemns not only sinful deeds, but the lusts out of which those sinful deeds arise. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus not only condemned physical adultery, but also lusting after a woman. Going back to verse 18. Homosexuality is really a manifestation of the wrath of God against ungodliness and unrighteousness. Again, I'll read verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. How is that wrath revealed? Well, the verses that follow show it is partly revealed in God giving those who refuse to submit to him over to homosexuality. The fact that he punishes sin with this terrible sin ought to stop all churches from approving of homosexuality. These churches ought to take note that in verses 28 through 32, Paul says that those who are unrepentant of this sin and others, they die forever. Last, we look at two more New Testament passages that speak of homosexuality as sin. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10 say, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Notice that no abusers of themselves with mankind shall inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Timothy 1, verses 8-11 through 11 says something similar. We read there, We know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, 
for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. So the phrase, abusers of themselves with mankind, in 1 Corinthians 6, and the phrase, them that defile themselves with mankind, in 1 Timothy 1, come from the same word in the Greek language. And that word could literally be translated, betters of men. Abusers of themselves with mankind means betters of men. It refers specifically to men having sex with men. And thus, most of the English translations of Scripture translate this word, or translate, yeah, translate that word, abusers of themselves with mankind. Most translations translate that phrase, those who practice homosexuality. Clearly, those passages, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, and 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11, clearly those New, pas New Testament passages speak of homosexuality as sin. The Bible condemns homosexuality. Thank you for listening to this message. It is our hope that it was edifying to you. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them to be notified as future messages are published. We welcome you to join us on Sundays for worship at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. You can find more information about us at our website, hopeprchurch.org. Also, you can follow us on our Hope Protestant Reformed Church Facebook page. And you can email the Reform Witness Committee with any questions or feedback at hoperwc at gmail.com. Thank you.